0: is not believe in my facts I thought,
1: my theories and Resistance was and.: anonymity. This is a recording of Sigmund Freud, the father of modern psychology. Freud's work has had a huge impact, not just on how we talk about mental health, but also how we treat it. Freud helped move treatment out of the psych ward and onto the couch.
0: In the end, I succeeded, but the struggle
1: is not yet
0: over.
1: Freud spent the majority of his life and did most of his work in Austria. But in 1938, the Nazi party came to power, and Freud, who was Jewish, escaped with his family. He found his new home in London.
0: It's a very leafy neighborhood uh, in North London. Um, Really big houses all around.
1: Freud managed to bring a lot of his books, his huge antique collection, and one very, very important piece of furniture.
0: This would become possibly the most famous piece of domestic furniture in the world.
1: If any couch can be called a celebrity, it is this one. I'm Dylan Therese, And this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going to North London, to the Freud Museum. If there's a couch nearby, lay back. We are going to talk about your dreams and your relationship with your parents. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. Uh, But we will talk about the couch and the house where you can see it. That's after this. along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Sigmund Freud's parents moved their family to Vienna, Austria, when he was just four. That's where he grew up, where he went to school, and where he developed most of his notable theories. It was in 1896 that he coined the term psychoanalysis. And by the 1930s, he was a recognized figure all around the world.
0: But when the Nazi uh, incumbent Nazi party came to Austria in 1938... Um he, he wanted to actually stay for as long as he could because he was suffering from cancer of the jaw for a very long time by this
1: point. That's Jamie Ruers. She's the events manager at the Freud Museum in London. And she's been there for almost a decade, giving tours and immersing herself in the history of Freud.
0: And he was very old. He was 82. And he didn't really see much, I don't know, necessity in leaving, um, considering all of his health conditions and so on.
1: But then, Nazi authorities called Freud's eldest daughter, Anna, in for questioning. They interrogated her for hours, asking her what her father was up to. This really scared Freud, and he reached out to a friend for help.
0: Freud had friends in very high places, including um, Princess Marie Bonaparte, who was the great-grandniece of Napoleon. She was first a a patient of Freud's, and then she trained under Freud um, to become a psychoanalyst. And she, a wealthy individual, paid for the family to leave. And they chose London as their uh, final destination.
1: So Freud escaped Austria and settled in a new home, just a few streets down from the Primrose Hill area of London. It was a pretty bougie part of town, And Freud found this beautiful three floor red brick building where he could live and work. Another one of his kids, Ernst, was already living in London, and Ernst was an architect. And so he made the house just right for his old dad.
0: And he adapted the house in two ways as he moved in. Um, First, it was to build a a roof over the garden um, so that he could sit out on like a veranda and not be sort of affected. By the elements. And then the second thing that his son developed was uh, an elevator that brought Freud up to the level of his bedroom because he couldn't go up the stairs. He was too old and frail by the point.
1: Freud settles into his new home in this very leafy, green, upscale area of North London. He has his collection of antiques brought over and installed. He sets up a study, lining it with all the books he brought over. And the quite elder Freud begins to see patients. But he only lives for one more year after moving into the house. Freud dies in 1939. After Freud passed away, his daughter Anna continued to live in the house for another four decades. She was also a psychologist, and she practiced and saw patients in the house, in an office on the third floor. But during that entire time, all 40 years, Anna left her dad's office completely untouched.
0: She she kept that space as a kind of uh, homage to her father. And in her final will and testament, she wanted this house to be turned into a museum to memorialize her father.
1: Anna Freud died in 1982, and the effort to create a Freud Museum began. It took four years, but with the help of some donations from philanthropists, the Freud Museum in London opened in 1986. And from day one its main attraction has been Freud's study. And the main attraction in there is the couch.
0: The Freud's psychoanalytic couch is the centerpiece of the study. How do I describe it? Oh my gosh. It looks like a, a chaise long that's covered in a sort of Persian rug. It's covered in a Kashkai rug. And then on top of that rug is piled uh, a few pillows on top of it and it looks very cozy and you just want to touch it, especially the pillows are sort of made of velvet. And the colour of all of them is sort of this rich red colour, reds, greens, blues. It's very warm and you just want to jump on it, except you can't Because because it's very fragile and very old.
1: As it turns out, the only people who are allowed to touch the couch, the, the, the chaise lounge, are the caretakers. And they've been there for years.
0: It's sort of a legacy thing, really, of front of house staff. Their father was the caretaker for Anna Freud. And this position has basically remained within the family for decades. And they continue to take care of the of the couch and of the house.
1: You know the couch, the one with the armrest on one side where you can lay your head and let your thoughts flow. The, this infamous red velvety chaise lounge. It is such a cliche of the therapist's office. And in fact, most therapists, you know, they just have like normal chairs in them now. But this was Freud's couch and that was the way he used it. And that is where we get that idea from. So
0: the couch is obviously what the person... um Lies on, the client, the analysand lies on, and the an- analyst sits behind them so as not to obstruct the flow of thought when they are speaking.
1: Freud would then just sit in his velvet green chair, which is also still in his study, behind the head of the patient so that they're just looking at the books and the antiques. And today, when people see it, the couch evokes a pretty visceral reaction from people.
0: Even just in the last two months, I've had maybe three people break down in tears um, at the sight of it. Yeah, it's very common.
1: Right next to Freud's study is his dining room, which is now the home of several paintings that Freud collected in his lifetime, and a photograph of Freud's apartment in Vienna, taken just a couple of weeks before his family escaped from Austria. But the museum is not just an ode to Freud. It's also about Anna Freud, his daughter, who had her study on the third floor and was also a major contributor to the world of psychoanalysis in her own right. She was a
0: specialist in child psychoanalysis. So she had her own psychoanalytic office that was on the top floor of this building.
1: Anna's study isn't actually kept as she left it. It's been turned into an office for the museum staff. But when she was in there, it was a little more toned down than her dad's space.
0: Anna Freud's space was quite fairly bare walls, wooden furniture. She had a psychoanalytic couch, but she barely ever used it. You know, while her father's is covered in this Persian rug, hers is covered in this deep green knitted piece, uh, which she made herself.
1: Anna's clients were mainly kids, and she just didn't need the couch for them. They were more likely to communicate when they were... Busy doing something else.
0: She would get them to draw, and so they would be drawing on on the desks in um, on paper on the desks.
1: But Anna's office in the Freud House is only a part of her legacy in London.
0: She also set up a clinic on the same street that helps children coming over uh, from from mainland Europe um, and and from around the UK as well who were traumatized, particularly by the effects of war. Um, And this would be known, originally it was known as the Hampstead Clinics, but then still today it's a functioning clinic called the Anna Freud Center for Children and Families.
1: Jamie has been at the Freud Museum in London for almost a decade. Part of what she enjoys is seeing the kinds of people who make it a point to visit the museum.
0: It's a whole range, really, because you get people who are psychoanalysis, psychotherapists themselves from all over the world uh, making this journey. But then you also have people who maybe just have been in analysis themselves and have realized the impact that this type of talking therapy has provided them in their lives.
1: The work of Sigmund and his daughter, Anna, transformed the conversation around mental health for both adults and children. And the Freud's legacy is all around us. But if you're in London, you can get a lot closer to that legacy. You can step right up to that famous couch and trace the living dream of our collective super ego back to this pivotal moment in history. That's my very bad Freud. I don't really know. Who can do a good Freud? Anyway, don't actually touch the couch. If they do, they will kick you, your id, your super ego. They'll all be thrown out of the museum. Don't touch the couch. The Freud Museum London is open every day except Monday and Tuesday. And aside from Freud's two offices, the museum also offers other programming. Right now, early 2023, there is an exhibition by Lucian Freud, the famous British painter who also happens to be Sigmund Freud's grandson. Check out their website for more info. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Baudelaire. The production team includes... Doug Baldinger. Chris Naka.
0: Camille Stanley.
1: Willis Ryder-Arnold.
0: Sarah Wyman. Manolo Morales. Gianna Palmer. Tracy Samuelson.
1: John Delore. Our technical director is... Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by... Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There is a link in the episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tindall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.